Hello, my name is Jay Metha, and you're listening to The Voice Podcast. Hey there. At the end of last year, an article came out in The Voice in which a Pembroke Hill teacher discussed a surprising and personal connection to the history he taught. Being a history nerd myself, it got me thinking about the ways in which we learn history as students in the modern era. I sat down to talk with that teacher about history, and why it is so important that we understand it. Oh, who was it? Lucas Richardson. It's about these two Sylvia Richardsons, well, two Sylvias that have been very influential in my life. The first is my grandmother, um, uh, Sylvia, who uh, died in fall of 2014 at the age of 94. Um, she was a remarkable woman. She was awesome and a, and a huge part of, kind of my youth. Um, and when she died, we found this book um, in her apartment, which was called The Annals of an American Family. It was a, hit- a history of the Richardson family um, dating all the way back to, you know, colonial, colonial era, um, and I didn't really know any of this. So as we were going through this book, came across um, a picture uh, with the caption of Sylvia, uh, last of the Richardson slaves. I asked Mr. Richardson how exactly he reacted to that news. It, it struck me at the time as incredibly ironic, you know, in terms of Sylvia Richardson dies, you know, and I learn about Sylvia, last of the Richardson slaves, um, and then uh, you know, kind of made me rethink or think a little bit more critically about my own, uh, really my own privilege, right? And as a white male in the United States, like I knew I'd been, I've been very privileged. Um, this information, you know, confirms the fact that, you know, I come from a long line of privilege, right? People, uh, Richardson owned other people. That was what kind of they based their wealth on. Um, and, so it's kind of shocking. So what exactly do we know about Sylvia? I don't know anything, right? And that's, I, I should have brought, what, well, you've seen a picture of yeah. her. Like, that's all. And there was not, um, she was quoted in one other place in the book talking about, um, I think, one of her children. I can't remember. Um, but she doesn't show up anywhere else. It just, and she shows up. Uh, maybe on a last will and testament of kind of her previous owner, as she was passed on from one generation of Richardsons to another. Um, and so all I really have is that picture with this kind of smiling woman. Um, and I, and my dad and I talked a lot about this because to me it was very interesting that the one picture of a slave they include uh, is a woman who's smiling, seems almost happy, right, content um, in her old age. And um, was that done as like a, a subtle or subliminal hint to the reader that, listen, Richardson's treated their slaves well. They were among, you know, the good ones. And um, as a way to kind of soften, right, for future generations. Because this was written, you know, in the 1920s, this history. So, you know, slavery was long gone. Jim Crow was in full force. Um, but uh, so to me, I found that uh, just somewhat odd, um, or at least questionable, um, but it got me thinking about, you know, if a woman can have a smile like this, right, um, after living as a slave for so long, she must be a pretty remarkable woman in and of herself, and um, so, I don't know, that's what, yeah, 
So yeah. that's all. But that's all, all we know about her. I asked him how this personal discovery has affected his understanding of history. I think this just kind of confirmed for me why it's so important that we study the past in a way that um, ensures it stays relevant. Like try to always make those connections to the present. Um, it also got me thinking like this should be uh, a project for students to, to do every like, or at some point in their high school career, they should have to dig into their own personal histories because it might make the study of of the past much more interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think also for me personally, I think it also, it, it's it's about, it, it should shape how we approach the present, right? Yeah. Um, and how we look to the future. So I think that um, this was a reminder of why history really matters. And I couldn't agree more. I know from personal experience that studying history on a human level breathes life into it that textbooks just don't. But then what does the history education that he's talking about look like? Is it a swing in the other direction? I know many high school students would be ready and willing to throw out their textbooks for individual narratives. But do we really gain anything from losing that macro level of understanding? According to Mr. Richardson, the key is finding middle ground. I think that you need the macro to understand context, right? And kind of be able to put individuals um, like the one you're researching or like either Sylvia, you know, that I wrote about into kind of this broader picture of what's going on, right? Um, but I think in the macro is where you lose the, in some ways, the interesting part of it, and I think the human part of it. Um, and so, you know, you can see slavery as an institution, and you can um, read about kind of the economic reasons that it was so entrenched in the South and um, the way that it was justified from, you know, religious or political or economic perspectives. Um, and kind of rationalize it all, but the human is what um, allows you to, uh, I think, to truly get it, right? Why it, was, why it was such a big deal at the time, especially from the perspective of, um, of those who it impacted. So I think, like, uh, and that, that only comes in very kind of micro f focusing on specific people or specific stories. And I think that's why, you know, movies are often really good at kind of bringing out the stories, right? You watch 12 Years a Slave, you get a very different um, understanding of slavery than reading about kind of um, the institution of slavery in the South in a textbook, right? Um, you probably need both to really get it, but um, I think it's, it's tricky because, you know, history teachers and history textbooks tend to get caught up in that big sweep. Um, and you feel like you have to cover everything, and then you don't have you don't take the time to really dig into specific people or stories or, or situations. And I think uh, the trick is trying to find the balance between context and you know uh, and those good stories and interesting people and, and all of that. So then, what exactly is the benefit for the student of this balanced education between the macro and the micro? What do we gain? I think there are. A number of benefits. Number one is um, 
connecting with the past on a more human level, which will if will probably be more interesting, right? Um, and I think the residual kind of um, benefit of that is that it will probably build some empathy in the person doing the learning, right? And force you to understand how a, a human being, an individual, lived in a different context, right? And I think if history teaching is, or if a history class is any good, it builds empathy, right? It, it helps students exercise that muscle. If anybody ever had uh, Mr. Richardson in class, you will remember that he does a lot of this. There's a lot of personal, individual, first-person, primary source accounts that we use to build a full picture of a historical event from a number of perspectives. He touched on why exactly that's so effective. I think that in doing that, you learn about the perspective of others, you learn about um, things that might make our even contemporary um, political discourse maybe a little less um, divisive, right? If we practice trying to understand the perspective of others through these individual stories, maybe we do a better job of listening to people that we don't agree with, right? Because we're used to just trying to figure out where they're coming from. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's why these stories are, are, are so interesting. Plus, it's just like, it's like human interest stuff. It's like why people read People magazine, because there's like drama. There's, I don't know, things yeah. that happen that you lose when it's just like, you know, a timeline on the board, right? Um, so, but it's, it's hard to, again, it, it's really challenging to find that balance. So then going back to Sylvia, what kinds of questions does this particular way of looking at history raise? When I asked Mr. Richardson, it was clearly something he had thought a lot about. Sometimes I wonder if, you know, if we were able to find, you know, if, if she has descendants that are living, right, um, somewhere in the United States right now. Like, do we owe anything to them? Um, my gut tells me, yes, we do, right? I probably would not be kind of, um, in the position I'm in uh, without this history. And so I think, uh, do I owe something to that history and to you know, the descendants of Sylvia? I don't know, that's a, that's a hard yeah. question. It is indeed, but it's one that I think we can all agree is essential to ask ourselves. So then, where do we go from here? What comes next with this understanding that we need to take a more personal approach to history as students? Where do we go from here? Well, I think step one would be just get your parents talking, right? Ask them what they know, um, which is something that I never really did. My grandma, Sylvia, was really good about telling stories. Um, and so she liked to tell us about her life. And um, I think she did that on purpose, you know, just to give us a sense of, you know, what she had done and, I don't know, the, the things that she was involved with. Um, but my parents both, you know, I just didn't know a lot about, you know, our history. And I think, so that would be step one is bug your parents, right, and get them talking. Because um, once you get them talking, uh, they'll start, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get into it. Um, and then, I don't know, I think from there it's, it's, uh, I think we owe it to um, 
ourselves to some extent to try to, you know, learn a little bit about where we've come from because it, it, it's been uh, revelatory for me in terms of understanding my place in kind of the United States and all that. So then let's take a step back, shall we? Why is it important that we study history? According to me and my own various and multitudinous biases on the subject, I think it's an issue of practicality. I think that history is important because it is practical. It is important to understand the past when making decisions in the present. It is important to understand the problems of the past when addressing the problems of the present. I said this to Mr. Richardson. I said that I think history is important because I think history is practical. This was his response. Oh, I would go one step further because I told you, I would say it's essential. Like, I think that it is the, um, and obviously I'm a history teacher saying this, but it is the ascent, and you're a history, you know, um, buff listening, but like, I, I think you absolutely, it has to be like the, the cornerstone of any curriculum because um, not that every kid's going like, to go on to be a historian, but the skills you learn, like just that, what we talked about earlier in terms of understanding perspective, right? That's something that all humans need, right? And history helps build that. So does English and, and reading literature. But I think um, history also gives a, a context for any other work that you do, right? So like if you're going to go into medicine, understanding the history of medicine and how doctors at one point in time were absolutely certain that they knew how things worked and then they learn, oh wait, no, leeching, leeches are not the best thing, right? We don't need to bleed everybody, right? So <laughs> understanding how the medical field has evolved and how medicine fits into the context of any era is really important if you're gonna be a good doctor, right? Or a good researcher or um, a lawyer or whatever else it is. Like if you can, if you understand the context of your field or even just you know, as an American citizen, knowing what, what's gone on in the past and knowing that this country is both great and has done some terrible things, right, that might influence um, the way that you vote. That might influence what you do with the millions of dollars that you earn, right? How you treat the people that work for you. So then where do we stand? In reflection, what does all this mean? Certainly for me, you know, my own understanding of history has, you know, grown and evolved and developed just, you know, by the mere fact of teaching it and kind of being immersed in it every day. Um, I think that um, what is really interesting about this is that uh, history can very easily become um, words on a page, right, dates and names and dead people. Um, and kind of distant, right? It's the past. It doesn't really, it's a class I have to take. It's a paper I have to write or, a, you know, a test or a quiz or whatever. Um, and so I think um, what learning about Sylvia, um, the last of the Richardson slaves, um, I think reminded me of is that history is very much present, right, in our everyday lives and certainly influences shapes, you know, the world around us, and that's why it's so important. That's all for this episode. 
Big thanks to Mr. Richardson for speaking to me not once but twice on The Voice podcast, for being such an amazing educator and for touching so many students at our school. We wish him all the best. Thank you to Spencer Thutt for providing the music for this podcast. And of course, thank you for listening.